Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sam Liebman, who is an expert in real estate. He's written a book called Harvard Can't Teach What You Learn from the Streets, The Street Success Guide to Building Wealth Through Multifamily Real Estate. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Sam. Thank you very much. Just give us a little bit of your background before we get into the subject of the book. Um, I'm basically a kid from Canarsie, Brooklyn. Um, came from a very poor, dysfunctional family and grew up on the streets in Canarsie, which I also refer to as the Mafia Minor Leagues. seems that all my friends' fathers were connected in one way or another. But when you grow up on the streets, you learn street smarts. You learn how to maneuver difficult situations. And that helped me tremendously in getting my spider sense tingling so I can actually help anticipate problems. And then I went to school and um, really uh, struggled a little bit and uh, was a C student until I got into college, Brooklyn College, where a professor, David Miners, uh, sort of changed my academic life. And he had a method of teaching of dictating difficult concepts with a simple example that made me really subliminally learn the uh, difficult concepts, and I was getting confidence, and I used his, uh, his uh, skills that he taught me in teaching and mentoring other people. Uh, I took Professor Miners for four or five classes. That's why I say in college I majored in Miners. And Very then good. I went into, worked for a lot of, uh, became a CPA, worked for a lot of, about ooh, a lot, three different uh, firms. Uh, then I got a job uh, as a, a young accountant with Mountain Development Corp, became the uh, C, uh, CFO, 27. And the company started with uh, Bob Lieb, who's the owner and president, a secretary, and myself, in a little office in West Orange, in three lay, uh, New Jersey, and three years later, he had 12 or 20 million square feet, and that's where I got what I refer to as my Harvard education. And uh, then in 1993, through clients of mine, um, I learned syndications and partnered with them on some buildings, and, um, and then the rest is, I guess, history. I did over 70 different buildings, and, um, and here we are today. Very good. So let's start with the basic reason why you think multifamily real estate is uh, one of the primary ways that people can uh, generate wealth. Well, to generate wealth, you have to understand the difference first between being rich and being wealthy. And the comedian Chris Rock said it best. He said, Shaq is rich, the guy who signs his check is wealthy. And there is a difference, and wealth is achieved by owning a large asset base that increases annually and over time. And real estate provides that, a large asset base, and multifamily real estate especially, that will increase over time. So if you're able to obtain, let's say, five, let's say $10 million worth of real estate, that, which isn't a lot if you know the fundamentals and you know your stuff, it really isn't as much as people think. Now, if that increases only 3% a year over five years, that's an increase in property value of a million and a half dollars. And that doesn't count all the distributions you're going to get that are going to be tax sheltered or amortization you pay on the mortgage. 
Now, compare that with a two-family house that you bought for $750,000, and that goes up 3% a year. Well, after three years, excuse me, five years, you'll have $112,000 instead of a million and a half dollars. And that's because of the large asset base that increases. Also, with a two-family house, you know, there's not much you can do to increase property value. You know, what do you do, build a porch or build something to get more rent? But in multifamily housing, there is just a litany of things that you can do to increase the property value so it increases more than 3%. I've had buildings that increase 20% a year. So that's how you build wealth. One of the ways is to obtain a large asset base that increases annually and over time. So the last two years have been pretty rough on landlords for the most part. We had the uh, eviction moratorium because of COVID. A lot of landlords had a really hard time. How has the whole pandemic uh, changed the way you look at uh, multifamily real estate? I'll tell you an interesting story. <laughs> last year, you're right. I mean, we lost literally millions of dollars in, um, in rents because there was a moratorium. You couldn't collect rents. Um, we did have in where most of my properties are in Texas, and we did have rent assistance, which helped, but you couldn 't even you know get evictions and tenants were living there, they knew the law, so we did lose millions of dollars in rent. The funny thing is the actual value of the properties went up isn 't that amazing so why would because that the, be? Why would they go up if you 're not collecting rent okay, great question because the interest rates went down and you know, people now are collecting rents. It was looked at like a a, a, um, a temporary situation, which it was. We are now collecting rents. And the valuation, because those interest rates, I mean, you can get on multifamily. We just got on one of my properties uh, a 10-year interest-only mortgage at 2.5%. So because you can get such great financing, that gives people the ability to pay more for property. There is also a national shortage of rental housing. So if you're looking at it from an investment point of view, people are just, the demand is so great for multifamily housing. Also, a lot of the money is being diverted because, you know, office buildings and retail centers are facing, in my opinion, Armageddon, and retail and residential property is looked at as a much safer asset to invest in. I mean, if I put a property on the market, I would have lines of people bidding. And so so some would say, some would say, Sam, that that's a bubble, that there's uh, all this cheap money um, mm -hmm. and not enough supply and increasing demand has led prices to go up to levels that are unsustainable when real estate doesn't only go up it can go down as it did in 2008 and earlier recessions why, 100%, why 100%. would not yep. be dangerous 100 percent correct you have to buy real estate when nobody wants it and i've always bought real estate when nobody wants it and started in 1993 when nobody wanted you know there was no money tons of properties 2008 about another 30 something buildings Again, no money, everybody wants it. The difference now is everybody wants it, and there's a ton of money around. I read there was something like $330 billion of what they call dry powder just waiting to pounce in. And again, a lot of people are not investing in office buildings or, um, or shopping centers and instead going to residential. You know, I've, I've heard the term, well, at least I'll own bricks. Well, you know, it's more concrete real estate. Um, 
I agree with you that it is a bubble. It will burst. And my, me personally, I do very low leverage mortgages. In other words, I don't buy a building and then leverage the hell out of it. I keep those buildings financially sound. And you'll have your ups and downs over the period, absolutely. But right now, a good, solid, multifamily property uh, of over 100 units, you can sell it for maybe a little over a three cap, which is amazing. And, uh, you know, and, and that's what's going on now. You have a whole chapter in your book about the cap rates. Why don't you just explain what a cap rate is and uh, you know, why you want it to go up or down uh, okay. and, and how that helps you value a building. Okay. So cap rate, understanding cap rates and net operating income in terms of how you value a building is probably ground zero for building wealth in real estate. So the formula is property value equals net operating income divided by the cap rate. Now, what is net operating income? That's revenue from the building, less your operating expenses, is net operating income. And then during each market, there is a cap rate. So when I was buying buildings when nobody wanted them in the 90s, the cap rates were 10%, and the prices were much lower. Higher the cap rate, lower lower the price. Lower the cap rate, higher the price. Right now, we're in a situation where the cap rate is just so low that the property value is so high. So understanding net operating income and cap rates is understanding why buildings are up and down. Now, in the book, Harvard Can't Teach What You Learn From the Streets, I talk about this in depth. In fact, the whole chapter is devoted to this because people must master this fundamental. Basically, if you increase a dollar, excuse me, increase revenue by a dollar, or you decrease operating expenses a dollar, has the same effect on net operating income, if you do the formula. Now, net operating income, for every dollar you increase the net operating income in a five-cap environment, you've increased property value $20. Now, do you realize how, how astronomical that is? So for argument's sake, in a five-cap five environment, we're in a three-cap environment. If you could reduce operating expenses just $10,000 a year in a five-cap environment, you have increased the value of the property. You ready for this? $200,000. Uh -huh. So if you, for instance, look at a 100-unit uh, apartment building, you find out the water and sewer is $100,000, and you know from experience it should be only, let's say, ninety, because there's water leaks, and you can fix those water leaks. If you sold the building the next day, you would increase the price by $200,000. That's how you make money in real estate. You, have, you learn the fundamentals, you master them, and you learn to see opportunities that are overlooked by others. And that's how I became successful. So some would say that the current situation is uh, we're recovering from the pandemic. The Federal Reserve is clearly going to be raising interest rates quite a few times this year. So interest rates are going to be rising. Uh, there's still a big shortage of housing. Um, is that a good environment to be buying? And, and we've had, as you call it, this bubble where we've had prices go up dramatically. Is this a good environment to be rise, er, er, buying with raising interest rates and uh, a tight supply? It's a great question. You know, 
People ask me all the time, where, what do you think is going to happen? Where is real estate going to be in five years? The most honest answer people can give is nobody knows. It's the old Bob Dylan song. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. There are too many variables. So if you give me these variables, let's say uh, uh, on the left side is uh, interest rates, you assume they're going to go up. We assume that uh, rental, there'll still be a demand for rental housing. I can give you an answer. If you go to the right, wind blows to the right, and you give me a different set of variables, I can tell you what's going to happen. What I can't tell you is which way the wind's going to blow. And that's where we are now. So every individual investor has to look at the assumptions and if, the if you agree with the assumptions, you go that way. Um, the other issue is there's no place to put your money. When I give my investors refinance money, they're actually mad at me. What am I going to do with this money? You know, zero in the bank, the stock market, you know, was doing great, but, you know, drops a thousand, up a thousand. So you don't know what to do with the money. And it, it's really a dilemma right now of what you do. I'm a real estate guy, but I'll tell you something. I haven't bought anything in the last two years. I made a fortune buying other people's mistakes. So my personal opinion is now is the time to really learn and master the fundamentals and learn your stuff because there are going to be bargains. They might not be in the uh, multifamily sector, but they're surely going to be in the office building sector and the residential, excuse me, the uh, retail sector. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sam Liebman. His book is called Harvard Can't Teach What You Learn from the Streets. You can find out more about him and his book at his website, samliebman.com. We'll be back after this. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. Our crowd analyzes companies across the global private market, selecting those with the greatest growth potential, then bringing them to you. From personalized medicine to health technology, our crowd identifies innovators so you can invest when growth potential is the greatest, which is early. Our crowd is the fastest growing venture capital investment community. Our crowd's accredited investors have already invested over $1 billion in growing tech companies. 21 of the companies are now unicorns. And many of our crowd's members have benefited from over 40 IPOs or sale exits of portfolio companies. Now you can invest in Future Family, who's providing millions of families with access to affordable treatment through buy now, pay later financing. Future Family powers 15% of the U.S. fertility clinics. Last year, they grew patients served by 300%. Invest today at our crowd. Invest in Future Family at OURCROW.com slash answers. You can join our crowd for free at OURCROW.com slash answers. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at rcrowd.com slash answers. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's gonna be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is gonna be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not gonna be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, 
earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sam Liebman. His book is called Harvard Can't Teach What You Learn from the Streets, The Street Success Guide to Building Wealth Through Multifamily Real Estate. And you can find out more at his website, samliebman.com, spelled L-I-E-B-M-A-N. Welcome back to the show, Sam. We talked about multifamily real estate. Let's also talk about uh, the housing, uh, the um office market a little bit. Now, we've had a lot of people working from home. Some people say that now they were going to have to come back to their office. What is your outlook in general for the office market for downtown uh, real estate uh, around the country? The landlord has to, and, oh, and I don't want to pay $80 a square foot. I want to pay $65 a square foot because I can get the same space across the street and they're offering $65 a foot. So now the landlord has to reduce the rent to $65 a foot for the 30,000-square-foot tenant that's now going to be 15000 he's going to have to retrofit that space because maybe the bathroom's on the wrong side or, you know, the partitions uh, have to be changed for the existing tenant. Then he has the new 15,000 square feet, which has to be retrofitted again. He has to pay a broker's fee. He's going to have downtime, maybe six months, to get a new tenant. The new tenant is going to want the earth, the moon, and the stars. They're going to want TI, tenant improvement money, four months free rent. And, you know, they're not going to pay 80 They want $65 a square foot. So the NOI, net operating income, is reduced substantially, which decreases the value of the building. Now, if they're 65% occupied over a period of time, where, where, where's the money going to come to pay the mortgage? Do you think there'll be def- uh, defaults on commercial mortgages? Oh, I'm predicting massive, massive foreclosures. And if you have stores on the bottom that are paying, you know, in Manhattan $200 a foot, they're going to say there's no people in the building. It's common sense, right? I'm paying all this money. Where, where are all the people that are going to, you know, that are going to, you know, buy stuff from my store? It's not, they're not there. Yet, they keep building office space. Uh, look at Hudson Yards. It's a graveyard. 
Mm-hmm. So, if so, I'm what's right, going to happen to all these offices? Are they going to be converted into uh, uh, residential? Well, well, that's the question. See, that's the misnomer. Everybody says, "Yeah, well, they're converted to uh, uh, residential." First of all, it's not that easy to convert to residential. You have to. There are different laws. You have to cut the building, meaning if it was, you have to basically give up uh, rentable square footage a lot of times, and it costs you a lot of money to do. And there's zoning issues. Is the city or other cities going to let you uh, build on a you know on a commercially zoned piece residential? We don't know. What I do know is landlords are not going to be able to hold on to the properties, you know, unless they, it was generational wealth. But anyone that bought an office building within the last five years and paid you know four or five percent cap rates, how are they how are they going to hold on to the building? Where's the magic? So that, and that I also means think that the banks are going to have trouble? The banks will have major foreclosures then? I believe so. Look, it happened before. In the 1990s, when I bought over 30 buildings, right, from 1993 to 1997, we were buying buildings that in Manhattan for 575000 that previously sold for $4 million. And the the mortgage was over a million, and we were paying five hundred seventy five thousand dollars for it. In two thousand and eight, I bought in Texas a fifteen uh, fifteen property portfolio for twelve million dollars. Do you know what the price of that property was five years before we before it went into foreclosure? Fifty six million dollars. Yeah. So you think you know, this could happen before? Yeah. And yeah, now it's back up to the fifty-six million. I'm lucky, but you know, again, I bought property when nobody wanted it. So we have real, real issues. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for people because you know, if you if you buy a retail center, let's say, um, and the old rent was sixty dollars a foot, and now it's priced down, so the tenants only have to pay thirty dollars a foot. Maybe then it makes economic sense. But I do predict it's going to be Armageddon. And, you know, with these shopping centers, Amazon can't buy everything. So, I mean, I see so the handwriting. Would you buy into shopping centers now? No. No, I own shopping centers. And we've had, we've had problems in shopping centers. You know, when you buy a shopping center, you're really just buying a return on your money. You know, it's not like residential. In a shopping center, you know, it, rents aren't going up. They're going down. So when you buy, it's all the price you pay. And the problem with shopping centers and office buildings is the financing. See, multifamily is so good now because a bank or any lending institution basically, basically is going to give you a 75% loan to value at a very low interest rate. When you buy a, even a strip center, you're going to have to put up minimum 40% cash. You're going to have to personally guarantee the mortgage. They're going to want sometimes four to six months of an interest reserve, brokerage reserve, it kills your cash flow. So the only time these things are going to make money, retail and office, if they are bought at a deep, deep discount. And I really predict this is going to happen. And I don't know if it's six months away, a year away, or even two years away, but it's going to happen. I also think that, you know, when people talk about going back to work, I think it's going to become an amenity. You know, when I was working in uh, accounting, I remember I got a, we got recruited at Brooklyn College. I went through a Price Waterhouse offered me a job, but uh, you have to work during tax season 
five days a week, five nights a week, and Saturday. I said, well, I don't want to do all that overtime. So I got a job at Eisner and Lubin. It was two times a week and, you know, and Saturday. What I'm trying to say is if you have the same type job offer from J.P. Morgan or, uh, or um, another institution, but one says you only have to be in the office three days a week, where the other one says we want you in all, all day, I think it might be an amenity and might draw people you know, over to the other side. So technology is also increasing even better. Who knows if we're going to have Super Zoom in a couple of years? where, you know, you can accomplish the same thing. So technology is a major, major part, and I just don't think people are going to go back to the office enough where these office buildings could survive at the prices that they paid. So you're saying, though, in the future, if the price comes way down, even if the cash flow is down, there's a certain point at which it does make economic sense to go back it, into them. It could. Kind of a bargain yeah, basement time. Right. I mean, if um, if you could buy a small strip center, it was $3 million, and you could buy it for a half price, and instead of $50 a square foot for a restaurant, let's say, and they really having trouble because of the pandemic, um, you know, maybe at $30 a foot, you can make a good return, and they can pay a good rent, affordable rent, when the price is half. Because it's all, it's all artificially, um, at the interest rate is being artificially da- uh, put, kept down. We know that. You know, so and, who is um, going to get hurt? The banks are going to get hurt with foreclosures. Who are the owners of these office buildings and retailers that are going to have to take a major haircut here? Well, all, all, all property owners that bought properties in the last, uh, I'd say within the last five years and paid an exorbitant price, and they need a certain type of rent in order to pay their bills. So if I'm right, if 65% occupancy is going to be the new norm, how are they, where, where's the, show me where I'm wrong. Where, where are people going to, and you have to discount everything, where's the money coming to pay the uh, expenses? And remember something, you know, the price of construction has almost doubled right now. And another problem is we can't get people to work. People don't want to work. We're having trouble with our multifamily properties right now filling the work orders. Between mm-hmm. people getting sick and then people getting unemployment and not going to work, it's a real problem. But Manhattan, for instance, for example, was overbuilt before the pandemic. And I just don't get it. They just keep building and building and building. But look at a good example. Look at Hudson Yards. Look where it is now. You know how much it's costing? I think it's related to fund fund that place. Probably a lot. <laughs> yeah. After a while, what do you do? You know, you can't do it. You're going to have to make a decision, make a deal with the bank or give it back to the bank or do something. And, you know, there might be personal guarantees involved. But I just don't see the future... Uh, of office buildings not being um, devastated by what's happening. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sam Liebman. His book is called Harvard Can't Teach What You Learn from the Streets, The Street Success Guide to Building Wealth Through Multifamily Real Estate. You can find out more about Sam on his website at his website, samliebman.com. We'll be back after this. I recently started subscribing to Blinkist, which is a service which gives you condensed versions of top books and audios on many vital topics. You can read the most important ideas of a 200-plus page book in about 10 to 15 minutes and listen to the audio of that book in about 30 minutes or less. 
Blinkist empowers you to grow personally and professionally by discovering content that inspires, motivates, and gives you new perspectives. Blinkers offers you content in 27 categories. In the business and money world, it covers entrepreneurship, economics, management and leadership, money and investments, and careers. There's a lot to learn here. In the money and investment section, I read some of the classics of the field like One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch and The Last Safe Investment by Michael Ellsberg. Other offerings include some of the authors I've interviewed on The Money Answer Show, such as Grant Sabatier, who wrote Financial Freedom, and Aaron Lowry of Broke Millennial. I particularly enjoyed Mind Over Money by Claudia Hammond, which delves into why we make the financial decisions we do based on how we've been raised, for better or worse. She tells several interesting stories about the mistakes people make with their money, which really drives home her points. In the economic section, I particularly enjoyed The Raging Twenties by Alec Ross about who will win and lose in this decade. And then there was The Promise of Bitcoin by Bobby Lee, which explains how to take advantage of the emerging world of cryptocurrencies. And that's just a small sample of what you can find on Blinkist. Use Blinkist to become better, smarter, and more knowledgeable. I'd love you to have the same positive experience I've had exploring what Blinkist has to offer. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for listeners of the Money Answers show. Go to Blinkist.com slash Money Answers to start your free seven-day trial and 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Money Answers to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash Money Answers. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. 
Welcome back to the Money Show. My guest this hour is Sam Liebman. He's a real estate expert. His book is called Harvard Can't Teach What You Learn from the Streets. You can find out more about him and his book at samliebman.com. Welcome back to the show, Sam. Thanks, Jordan. You You begin the book by saying, welcome to the new millennium where instant gratification takes too long. What do you mean by that? Well, just sort of what it says. I mean, everybody wants things done right away. And I'll give you a perfect example. You know, turn on, if you can find a three-year-old computer that you got and it was going to change your life. Remember those days? Three, wow, I got the new super uh, turbo uh, computer. And it was so fast. Put it on now. You'll be screaming at it. So we've all been conditioned to want instant gratification. And that's not a good thing. Because, you know, complex uh, fundamentals take time. Learning how to buy a building takes time. And, you know, I see 35-year-old kids, even 25-year-old kids with $30 million funds now going out to buy real estate, and a lot of them just don't know what they're doing. So it seems like a lot of the society right now is instant gratification takes too long. You know, we go into a restaurant even, people don't want to wait anymore. Um, it's just changed, and um, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing for the learning process. In, in the real estate market, if you don't want to be an expert yourself, there are other ways of doing it. For example, there are these crowdfunding platforms like CrowdStreet and Fundrise. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a way for people who don't want to become experts in real estate to invest in real estate indirectly? Well, first of all, to invest in real estate, you should educate yourself on what you're investing in. You know, there are a lot of scams out there. So you have to educate. You might not have to. You might not learn how to buy, how to build a building or manage a building, but you can educate yourself in the fun, of the fundamentals of how to invest in a building. You know, the book I wrote uh, again is to give people the fundamentals. So even if you don't, you have a job and you don't want to. Um, uh, get into the real estate business actively, it teaches you the fundamentals of what to look for when somebody gives you a prospectus or an offering memorandum of what the investment's about. You need to know what you're investing in, otherwise you're just relying on someone. You know, uh, I've always heard this thing, Mabel from Mahjong told me that he's a good guy. Well, who the heck is Mabel from Mahjong, you know? People yeah. do things, to, uh, he said he was a good boy, you know, but he wasn't. You gotta educate yourself, you gotta be aware. A lot of people do well in the stock market. Um, educate themselves. And a lot of them, you know, really follow stocks and they love it, and and that's the ones that do well. Uh, and you rely on a broker, depends on your broker. It's good brokers yeah. and they're bad brokers. But there are a lot of scams out there. What I don't like about these um, crowdfunding and all these other things, if you look at them, they're not really giving you a lot of information. Um, Trump, um, in order to stand, and Obama, in order to, you know, build the economy, reduced a lot of the protections for investors. For example, when I was raising money to do all my deals, you had to be an accredited investor, basically. Mm-hmm. You had to make a certain amount of money. You had to uh, have, a, I think, a million-dollar net worth. You had to make about $200,000 or so for the last two years. And you had to fill out a form where you certified, basically, that this was the case. Well, I think that's pretty much done where anybody now can invest in real estate, and there are places now where you don't have to be an accredited investor. 
um, we personally will only take accredited investors. There's a lot of people, a lot of people really can't afford to lose their life savings by investing everything in, in, a, in a deal. The other thing they did was, because of computers, they reduced the amount of the investment. So I think it was Obama's program where he's saying now that, okay, invest $5,000. You know, my investors, let's say the minimum was $100,000 or another syndicator or um, investment company, it's $500,000. Well, that, you know took a lot of people out of the market. So now they have these places where you can put in 2000 3000 I think it's up to 5000 in a real estate investment because the computer now can do all the uh, accounting and you could and you could do it. That's not a bad thing, but you got to educate yourself in who are you investing with and what are you investing in. I've seen investments where, you know, somebody raises a million dollars and 10% goes into their pocket as a fee the first day. Yeah. Now, one so, thing in, in the real estate market, there's been a lot of competition from institutions, uh, institutions, uh, hedge funds, and big real estate investment trusts mm-hmm. buy up entire communities of both single-family and multifamily homes to make them into rental uh, real estate. So, mm-hmm. somebody trying to buy these homes who might need a mortgage is competing with companies that have billions of dollars in cash. They don't need mortgages at all. Mm-hmm. How do you compete in that kind of environment where you're up against these these major well-funded institutions? Well, that's a great question. Um, it used to be that you know I the institutions were going after the you know the um, the, the A luxury properties. And you know I couldn't compete with them at the time. They were getting much lower interest rates. Um, right now, because there's no property, they've come down to the properties that I would buy. You know, I made a fortune buying C properties and A locations and converting them to B properties. Those are gone. So a lot of these big, big institutions, exactly to your point, will come in and they'll even overpay. Do you know that in Texas, there is a company that was uh, selling a broker, a, a portfolio of buildings. It was an invitation to, to bid. So you put down a $100,000 deposit, and if you didn't buy the building, you, it became hard day one. You didn't lose it. And hedge funds didn't care. It was, an, it was, an, it was a, a business cost. Lose my deposit. This is what's going on. You know, brokers, you're going to get a building, put in a bid. You know, I used to sit with an owner and negotiate with him face-to-face. I can make the owner hopefully feel good about me and and know that I'll close. If he has a tax problem, I could structure something for him. Now you can't do that. You don't know who the owner is until you sign the contract. And, um, you know, it becomes eBay. Uh-huh. Brokers will take your, your offer and they'll inventory it and uh, keep going through rounds. And it's a very difficult process to buy property. And that's what happens within, when there's no pro- you know, the properties are scarce. The so other thing people very- are doing today is, is fix and flip. I mean, they see on TV how yep. easy it is to buy some rundown property, fix it up yep. in a month or so, and flip it for huge profits. Is that a real thing, too? Well, okay. So remember what I said. I focus on building wealth. And to build wealth, the best way is to have a large asset base that you know that increases annually and over time. When you flip houses, and I'm not saying anything wrong with it, where's the big asset base? 
doesn't exist. You keep doing one after another after another. If you can find it. You know how hard it is to find another deal? You're going to find a house and keep doing it. That's right. Where are you going to find it? But once you have a good property, why not keep it? Anybody who, you could be an absolute moron, but if you own property in the last two, 10 years and you just didn't sell it, you made a fortune. Well, they make it look like it's easy to find properties. There's all these oh, distressed no. properties, and they fix them up and glamorously well, sell TV, them off they make pretty everything quickly. Look good. They, they, you know, they make everything look good, but that's not the real world. If you have, I see developers, you know, they're buying up in my area, in Roslyn, uh, Long Island. They're buying houses, they're flipping them, and they're selling them. The problem is, where do we get our next house? There's nothing available. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to buy a property... Um, I want to buy it to build wealth. I want to buy it to hold it long term and and keep the fruits of, of the labor. If you build a beautiful house, not, well, not such a house, but a multifamily 10-unit apartment building, why would you want to sell it? Why not keep it, build up a portfolio of a large asset base and, and you will achieve wealth? Because if you keep building, uh, flipping houses, after a while, the IRS is going to deem you a dealer of property and not an investor if you do too many, and you're going to pay ordinary income instead of capital gains. Mm-hmm. A builder, you know, doesn't pay capital gains because he's a dealer. So there are all these, you know, tax reasons and wealth building uh, reasons to build a portfolio of properties and keep them. That's Very what I'm good. trying to teach people. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sam Liebman. His book is called Harvard Can't Teach What You Learn from the Streets. You can find out more about him and all of he, what he offers in the real estate area at his website, samliebman.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sam Liebman, a real estate expert. His book is called Harvard Can't Teach What You Learn from the Streets. You can find out more about him at his website, samliebman.com. Welcome back to the show, Sam. So why why does Harvard not teach this? Why is all this real estate knowledge not taught in either undergraduate or in business schools? The schools, in my opinion, Harvard, everything, has really, in a way, failed us. It didn't keep up with the times. 
schools do not teach you. There's no guarantee you're going to do well. When you go to these Harvard or any of these great schools, it is a tremendous accomplishment to get into these schools. When I give my lectures at NYU's uh, graduate school, for instance, I open up by saying, I just want to say what a pleasure it is to be able to teach at a school I couldn't get into. Yes. And it's, it's true. You know, uh, they always say A students wind up working for C students. C students, you know, my message is don't let it get you down. You go Harvard or Yale. You're very valuable. You have other attributes. Uh, when you go to these schools, the curriculum is geared towards a certain path, more of an institutional path. Um, when you go to other schools, you, you know, you don't have that institutional path, or at least it's not as easy a path. So you're basically using what you've learned to go out, and you're really on your own. You, know, you get a job, you hope that you get exposure on that job. It's very important to get exposure on a job. When you work for someone else, you got to remember, you're learning at their expense. So if you screw up, it's the owner of the business that pays the price. But when you go out on your own through business or through real estate, you're learning at your own expense or your, or your investor's expense. And that's why I stress that you really know to learn to know your stuff before you go out and buy, and do, uh, buy property. Who is the right kind of person, Sam, to buy real estate and take your strategy? And who is the wrong kind of person who this is not appropriate mm. for? That's a great question. I've seen all types. Um, I think the right type of person is somebody who has the passion. You have to have the passion. You have to want to look at properties day, night, and weekends, like I do. You have to know when a, someone says, I got a good deal for you, you light, your eyes light up. There's a lot of people that want to be, be in real estate, but they really don't have the passion. It's not their thing. You know, I've tried to mentor kids where, you know, I show them and they, well, I'm not, I'm not really good in math. Well, you don't really need to be a math genius. It's arithmetic. You have to know concepts. You have to know how to apply concepts, and you've got to read. So if you're the type, let's say you, you really like films, and your passion is films, but I need to get a job, I'll get a job in real estate. That might be the wrong type of person because his real, his real passion is films. Um, whereas somebody else, you know, starts off in, let's say, films and whatever reason they start in real estate and then they develop the passion. So they become the right person. So I have a six month rule that I use. Basically, anything I do that's new that I try, I give myself six months to do it. And I don't bitch and I don't complain until the six months are up. When the six months are up, then I'm allowed to bitch and complain, but I got to give it that six months. So I have my own six-month rule, and it's worked for me. So when you ask me who the right person and the wrong person is, person, people got to try, and they have to either develop the passion for it or not. Not everybody is for everybody. Real estate was the perfect industry for my personality. I was an accountant. I was an accountant, and the passion ha happened when I represented uh, developers. I felt like everybody's scorekeeper as the accountant. They were making millions, and I was keeping score. And I said, you know what? I want to get. To, I want to go to the other side. I want to. I want to see how that is. I could do this, and that's what I did. But I had a background, and I learned. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you offer as far as uh, say people want to learn from you. 
about real estate. In addition to reading your book, what kind of services do you offer to people who want to learn the game and are serious about it? Okay, so the, the book is a great starting point. They can ask me questions. I will get back to people. Love hearing from people at samlieben.com. We are changing the website now a little bit more. Um, we're going to have uh, quizzes on. Um, we're going to have articles, which we have on. But I'm working on an online real estate academy. It's going to be called Street Success Real Estate Academy. And we're doing something that nobody has done before. And what we're basically doing is we're going to make the book come to life, but I'm going to show people a 129-unit uh, garden apartment complex that we own in real time and say, guys, here's every bill that was paid for the year. Here's every different source of income that came in. Let's master these fundamentals. Let's look at water bills. How are they computed? Did the water go up? Did it go down? How did this property that I bought for $5 million in 2012 is now worth between 15 and $18 million? How did it get? What did we do to that property? How, why did it go up? And that's a real example, and we have a lot others. So by doing that and going through and mastering through a real, real situation, a real life, life situation, that's going to get people's interest up. They're going to learn in real time. And they learn to do this. They'll learn to master any uh, multifamily. If it's 50 units or 500 units, the principles are pretty much the same. Yeah. And, you know, the one promise that I make to people after reading the book, or hopefully even taking the course, is not that you're going to get rich overnight. My promise is that after reading the book or taking the course, you're your knowledge of real estate will increase exponentially. That's the promise. Because yeah. anything else you tell people is a lie. But you'll let's be talk a little way. bit, Sam. We have a limited amount of time. Just briefly, let's talk about the tax benefits mm. that you can get by going into the real estate business that you can't if you're not if you're just a passive investor. You don't get as many tax benefits as if you're more active. Just briefly go through some of the, the tax benefits of being an active real estate investor. Okay. Well, there are a lot of, it's, it's too long to talk about all the benefits, but the point is that if you're what's deemed a real estate professional by the IRS, which just means that you're working a certain amount of hours, I think it's 300-something hours or so, and you're actively involved by um, making decisions um, and managing being actively involved, you can offset your losses from real estate because of the steroid depreciation the government allows you against your other income. So if you have a $500,000 loss from your real estate, which is mostly a paper loss, and you have $200,000 in interest and dividends, you can offset that loss and basically pay no taxes. There's another uh, form where an investor has passive losses from real estate, but they're not really actively involved, or, or they are actively involved a little bit, but it's not their main profession. They can offset passive income against, against other passive gains. But the real benefit, the big bucks, is to become what I am, a real estate professional, where you can offset all your, not only the income from the real estate, which is tremendous, but use the excess losses against other income that you have. And that is a tremendous wealth builder. This is what Trump did, actually, right? I mean, he had yeah, a lot of depreciation yeah, exactly and never, didn't pay taxes on a massive well, scale. Well, Trump, Trump did something different. He had a big loss from a business, but pretty much. Look, 
I'm in the first to admit, I got a $5,600 stimulus check, okay? I sent it back. They sent it back to me. <laughs> it's not fair, okay? I shouldn't be getting a $5,600 stimulus check. That's something that I think is completely unfair. We don't need steroid depreciation. I'm happy with regular depreciation, but they've given us a lot of benefits. It's another reason why, you know, real estate has done so well, the tax benefits. Uh, we don't know what Biden's going to do, but real estate to me is the best wealth building industry that I know of, that I've ever heard of. In and about we'll two minutes we have left, Sam, in about the two yeah. minutes, why don't you just kind of summarize exactly why what you just said. Why do you think real estate is something people should go into instead of investing in stocks and cryptocurrencies and other kind of hotter investments? Well, tremendous wealth building opportunity, tremendous tax advantages. I also love the building because uh, bricks don't talk back. I don't have to deal with many people. Um, it's just a great profession. It's prestigious, rewarding. Um, it, it, it's everything that, that you would want to, to live a happy life. But you have to know your stuff. You have to have a passion for it or develop a passion for it. And if you do, you'll be successful. Look, property, properties are high now. But it's, you know, it goes down, it goes up. I'm doing this 30-something years. I went through ups, downs, etc. And another thing is you have to learn what happens when a deal doesn't go bad. You have to understand how to wheel your way out of it, how to, how to navigate yourself out of it. And this is all by learning. And the number one stumbling block to success is fear. And you know how you, how you help yourself with fear? You become totally prepared for any situation that may occur. And that's what I try to teach the students. Total preparation. That will reduce fear and make you successful. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Sam Liebman. His book is called Harvard Can't Teach What You Learn from the Streets, The Street Success Guide to Building Wealth Through Multifamily Real Estate. You can find out more about Sam at his website, samliebman.com. Thanks so much. You've given a lot of very good advice to our listeners on The Money Answer Show, Sam. Thank you, Jordan. It's been a pleasure. And if anybody goes on uh, samliebman.com with questions, I welcome them. Very good. Well, thanks so much, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for, for now. You. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business channel on Twitter at VoiceAMBusiness. Again, that's at VoiceAMBusiness. And stay current. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle. The Voice America interactive radio player powered by Aircast gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for your iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple App Store Amazon or Google Play. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. 